This is Sadie Bell Newman, field reporter for Promoter 101. Okay, I'm not actually in the field. I'm at my house. I love to learn in school, but I also enjoy learning about what is happening in the world of touring. When I need the news, I turn to the two dudes who have the inside scoop. Steiny, Luke, take it away! Ba -da -ba -ba. Ba -da -ba -ba. All right. All right. Motor one oh one. Motor one oh one. This is Dan Weiner from Paradigm on Promoter 101. This is the Promoter 101 podcast, and that was the Newman family with their newest version of the Promoter 101 theme entitled Tongue Bath. Welcome back to the show, and joining me now, Luke Pierce. Lovely to be here, Dan. Good to be happy, good to be healthy. I hope everybody out there listening is happy, healthy, and safe as well, too, during this crazy time. Welcome to Promoter 101. We are excited about today's show. We have a barn burner of a show this week. We're going to be doing another quarantine session cyber panel. It's a roundtable featuring some heavy hitters. We've got Entourage Talents Wayne Forte, AGI's Nick Storch, Red Light's Stuart Ross, Manic Monkey's Allison Shaw, RCA Records' Nick Light, and the Management Trust's Jake Gold. It's going to be a great one, Dan, coming up. Episode 209 starts right now. Hi there, this is Jody Goodman from Live Nation, San Francisco, Northern California, and I am on Promoter 101 with Steiny in the house. Tweets of the week. Of course, it would not be Promoter 101 without some tweets from the mind of Mr. Dan Steinberg. Dan, one tweet this week. Next week, please give us some more here, but let's start and end with this one. When you set a Zoom meeting and you totally miss it, hashtag sorry, gang. My bad. I was a little late. I was a lot late, but it was my meeting and I totally showed up late. But I think this is a time where you're just seeing Zoom meetings get stacked on top of Zoom meetings, more meetings than normal. You know, we're all trying to be creative and find a way to pick up the pace and create some things in this downtime so we can make the system better so we can make up the gap on some of that revenue that's being lost right now when we're back up and running. So that's the creative. Build a better mousetrap. I love it, Dan. That's going to do it for Tweets of the Week. Make sure you keep up with Dan on Twitter. He's at the Jew. And this week, he promises he'll tweet more than once. Sorry, Luke. It's a depressing time. you know. But I, I got some other things out there. It's just like, but you can't really put up your peanut butter and jelly sandwich picture that got way more likes and comments than I would have thought. Or my senior picture, which apparently people really like the white pants. What, what can I tell you? Hey, man. 1993, those were very, very in. I was curious, are we going to see the, uh, with all the social media of your high school pictures, are we going to see the unveiling of a young Lucas Pierce? You know, Dan, I'm pretty sure that I did not do senior pictures. I'm sure that I had photos with athletic teams that I was involved with, a few clubs that I was involved with. I'm sure I had my, you know, yearbook photo in there, but I don't think I did senior photos, which is uh, much to the chagrin of probably Joe and Lynn Pierce who probably wanted me to do them, but I definitely did not do them. I had to walk around uh, my home growing up looking at my brother and sister's really embarrassing ones. And I just thought to myself, I'm never going to do that. Who was Luke Pierce in high school? I mean, were you, you seem like a very outgoing social guy, but were you a late bloomer? Did that come on in college? This is 2002 to 2006, Dan. So it wasn't that long ago. It was the height of pink polo kind years. I was a, uh, <laughs> and I followed suit, man. I, I, you know, had a lot of pastel polos rocking during that time. And I always a pretty social beams played sports and did national honor society and was uh, a good student. And then when I went to college, all the academic stuff went to shit, but remained pretty social for things. So got more Machiavellian in college. Let's just say, you know, 
Penn State, a lot of our friends, big Penn State people, David Britz, obviously, Craig Newman, shout out. I know there's a lot of Penn Staters out there. Much love to the Penn State folks. I got to give a plug to a new podcast that's starting, actually. Jerry Valeri is starting the podcast with uh, our buddy Al Carosas from the Bryce Jordan Center at Penn State called the BJC Experience. Bryce Jordan Center, BJC. It's a brand new podcast. Mr. Craig Newman did an episode last Thursday that y'all should check out. I'm going to be joining the podcast as well for a guest interview in the next couple of weeks as well too. But fascinating stuff, tying Penn State Entertainment back together. So I'm sure David Britz will get on there. I'm sure my my buddy, my classmate, Will Zomback, who's was Khalifa's manager, will get on there. You know, it'll be a good experience and another good thing to kind of tie Penn State to the entertainment community, which we historically haven't had much of. This is like that moment on Succession where Shiv tells Tom on wedding night that she wants to be in an open relationship. And he's like, okay, yeah, that sounds great. I'm Tom in this scenario. I don't like this at all. You don't like that at all? <laughs> I'd be happy to be any other character in this. You're show. more of like a Roman, you know? I think you're more of like a Roman. I, I'm happy to be Roman. Roman's a, Roman's a badass fuck. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd be happy being any Roy, to be honest. Let's be real, you know? You're, at the end of the day, you're a Roy. You know, it's a fucking family. you don't want to marry into the Roys. You don't want to... You don't want to marry into the Roys, but I'd happily be a Roy, you know? Tom is certainly not considered one of the... Uh, the sharper knives in the, in the drawer on that family show for sure. I, I, I even be fine being Greg, you know, cousin Greg. I like cousin Greg. He's funny. He might be the funniest like, guy in the show. I like cousin Greg. I like cousin Greg a lot. Been rewatching billions quite a bit, Luke, during the uh, time off. And I'm picking up a lot of things. I missed the first and second time through. So how quick they are with some of those social references and some of those like movie quotes, just like hidden in there. Just really quick jabs. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to call him out here. I think we should get, Brian Koppelman, where are you where are you at? We should be on this podcast. You think he listens? I, I think if we tweet at him enough here that he he we will pay attention to it. The guy, you know, comes from some music royalty, Charles Koppelman being his father. Brian himself was an AR for a very long time before he wrote Rounders uh, and then Oceans 13 uh, and a solitary man. I'm trying to remember all the stuff that uh, is in his IMDb, but obviously a, a, an amazing writer, amazing, you know, ear for music. The music on billions is phenomenal. I think it's some great stuff. It's a lot of Jason Isbell. It's a lot of Josh Ritter. Um, I seem to remember the connection between Metallica and, and Brian, go back to the Mark Ryder interview where he talked about, they knew in the old days going back. And that's kind of how that came together. Uh, great show. What season are you watching right now? I think I'm in season two where he's getting arrested again. I think it's season two or he's getting arrested for the first time, but gets uh, gets arrested down to the uh, ground zero, you know, don't want to give too much of that show away. If you haven't seen it though, billions is like, I think it's what writing is West wing. Good. That's very high praise. Indeed. I think it's, it's great stuff. Very excited for the fifth season coming back on May 3rd, Brian Koppelman, you got an open invitation to come on this podcast and talk about your music. We're going to reach out to your people. You disagree with that? The writing? Listen, the West wing is, is a whole different place of writing. Let us be real about that. I, I really enjoy billions. Uh, I think it's great. I think it's much different than succession in the kind of wealth porn era of, of television. It does get very dark and the characters are, are phenomenal between Bobby Axelrod and Chuck Rhodes and, and Wendy Rhodes. I mean, there are three amazing performances on a weekly basis from those three actors that perform that, but just the ensemble cast around them too, from Kelly Alcoyne who plays Dollar Bill to, to everyone else that's in that cast. They do a phenomenal job of keeping you entertained on a weekly basis. It's just great stuff to watch. It is. You, you put it together and you think, who in the industry has that side to them? <laughs> anyway, let's get on with the show, Luke. Hi, it's John Meglin from Concerts West, and you're on Promoter 101. You're right, Dan. I don't want to keep people waiting too much from the main event today, Dan, which is a cyber roundtable. A sit down with some heavy hitters, some Aspen folks here, but just a great group of people in general sitting down. We've got Entourage Talent's Wayne Forte, it's agent to Tedeschi Trucks Band, among, among others, AGI's Nick Storch, working with Ghost and some other great stuff. Red Light's Stuart Ross, former tour manager and manager to Puddle's Pity Party. Manic Monkey's Allison Shaw, RCA Records, Nick Light, and the Management Trust's Jake Gold, all sitting down with our very own Dan Steinberg. We have our quarantine sessions and we brought back the Cyber Roundtable. This week, we have a fascinating panel of some of our industry veterans from New York City, Entourage Talents, Wayne Forte, in Toronto, Nick Storch from AGI, also from Toronto, the management 
trust Jake Gold and also Canadian Idol's own. RCA Records, Nick Light, Manic Monkeys, Allison Shaw, Red Light Management, Stuart Ross, an distinguished panel of guests. Welcome, all of you. Nice to be here. Thanks, Dan. Thank Thanks for having me. Thanks, Tiny. So let's let's talk about how everybody's doing with the isolation. You've been locked down, some people for three weeks, some people for a week, but you're all in major cities, so probably longer for most of you than, than two weeks at this point. Nick, let's start with you. I'm going on week four. As you can see, I haven't shaved since this started, and I refuse to shave till it's over. So I'm doing okay. Enjoying time with the family, walking the dog, and, and a lot of quality time with my son. So I, I couldn't ask for it any better. Okay, so you're in Los Angeles. You guys are supposed to be peaking in the next week-ish or so, give or take. It, yeah. This is supposed to, if everybody stays in. Well, you know, you go out, you go food shopping. What's what's appalling is you'll go to a store out here and you'll have people in full gloves and full masks, and then you'll walk outside and you'll see them peel it off and throw it right on the ground. And it's like, could you just walk the extra five feet and put it in a garbage can? Somebody has to pick that up. I hope people get it together and stay inside for the next few weeks. You know, order in, support a local restaurant. Don't wander out in the world. Actually, to a next point, Toronto mayor just announced today that $500 fines if people are taking their stuff off after leaving the store and leaving it on the ground. Yeah. For the exact same reason. And I also am growing a playoff beard. Jake, but that's 500 Canadian, so it's really not that bad. Yeah, but if you ever negotiated with Jake, that'll easily get to 1,000 before you see your 500 U.S. No worries there. Let's stick in L.A. for a second. Ellie? Well, I'm also growing a beard. I don't know if you guys can see it. Oh, yeah, I can see it. <laughs> it's coming in, I think, really. You know, I know I have a baby face and all that, but it's kind of, it's coming in. I'm okay. I've managed to kind of keep my head clear. Not, I'm not panicked. I know a lot of people are, and yes, I agree with everybody. I do, we, we were just talking about this yesterday. I just, you know, obviously I only go out for necessities and I do have N95 masks and other things to keep me protected. But you walk out of the stores and there's a bunch of discarded things, like gloves and masks there. And I can't figure out why, why would they just throw them on the ground? I don't get it. I mean, like, isn't that littering anyway? <laughs> so I'm just curious why they, they think that that's a better solution. But yeah, I mean, like for me, I'm still working, which is, which I'm lucky. I built out like kind of a mini gym in the house, you know, to keep up, you know, working out. So I don't go insane from not being able to be outside or go to a gym. I'm on virtual happy hours all the time. Virtual, I have a virtual dinner after this, you know, and, and that's been lucky to be able to connect with my family and friends. Well, it's virtual dinner. What we do is we cook dinner together and then we eat it. <laughs> so that's our virtual that over Skype or Zoom or FaceTime or something? Yeah, we do it over, you know, Zoom or whatever have you. You know, I do a couple of these a, a week and we just create a menu. We all cook it unless, if we, unless we all don't have all the same ingredients. And then we sit down and enjoy a meal together. Oh, okay, that's very cool. Yeah. Okay, Stuart, you're also in Los Angeles. Are you seeing this similar things? I feel pretty fortunate that I don't live in a very densely populated area of Los Angeles. I live in Laurel Canyon. You know, it's not really very difficult for me to quarantine myself. A lot of us have worked out of our homes. It's not a big stretch. And Los Angeles is a place where delivery services are everywhere. Not that it's that easy to get stuff delivered because everybody wants to get things delivered. At Red Lights, some of the assistants live three or four to an apartment in Koreatown, and I worry about them. Yeah, that's, that's close proximity. So both Jake and Nick Storch are both in Toronto. What are you guys seeing up there as far as the vibe? I haven't left my house except for the once a week grocery store trip. I've got a two-year-old and a six-year-old, so I'm not uh, lacking things to do every minute of every day. So it's kind of business as usual for me, just doing it from the confines of my house. Toronto hasn't peaked yet. We have a dense population, but people seem to be paying attention. And uh, the politicians seem to be stepping up and uh, taking control of the situation. Well, it's amazing oh. how when, you know, the prime, the prime minister's wife gets it, like how, how serious everybody takes it suddenly. Like that, that had to hit home really quick for him. You guys kind of really got there first as far as like making sure that the government was there for their people, making sure that there was a cast infusion directly to your citizens much quicker. You guys are a great example of how we should do it, in my personal opinion. But Canada seems like they're just there quicker. 
Just the healthcare system alone solves a lot of problems. Wayne, what are you seeing in New York? I mean, you guys are the hotspot of hotspots. Actually, I'm at home and I live in Connecticut, so I'm not in the middle of it right now. I made a trip into the city uh, after the first week because I forgot some things at my office. So I ran in. It was like a, it was pretty much a ghost town. I just parked my car, ran in. There wasn't even a security guy at the building. I, you know, I ran up to my office, picked up my stuff, got back in the car and, and came home. It was, a, it was the fastest trip I've ever made from my office to my house. I made it in one hour, door to door. It usually takes an hour and 20. So literally, I mean, there's people on the highway, but there's not the kind of traffic that there is now. I'm in Connecticut. Connecticut's behind the curve in a way, but, but the part that I live in in Fairfield is the highest uh, concentration because most of the people from here commute into the city. Uh, the highest number of cases are, are in Westport. And, uh, and New Canaan, and those are the closest for commuting. I try not to go out at all if I don't have to. You know, I go out, like I went riding yesterday, but there's nobody around, so it's okay. You know, I went cycling. People are running around in the, in the, on the roads in front of my house. But when I went shopping, uh, I try to go shopping as little as possible. So I bought for two weeks, and I'm good through this weekend. Probably have to go this weekend again. I haven't been for 10 days now. <laughs> all of you have projects you're working on. And this has got to affect the entire industry across the board, not just touring, not just recording, but the entire world has changed how everything's being handled. Let's start with Nick Storchu, like routing tours, having things up. Like, how is this changing your game? I mean, changes everything. Because not only are you trying to reschedule through what people are doing and be protected and have a plan A, B, C, and D, but the real estate's evaporating because everyone's working further and further out. But you, you don't want to ignore maybe your strategy you had for an artist, but also keep bear in mind, nobody knows what the other side of this will be like. The thought process of who's actually going to want to go be in a building with other people. I kept hearing the MLB was the gold standard. And, you know, I think all the bigger events will be last to come back. It'll be bars, restaurants, small clubs, then everything else. So I think everything's in disarray. I have a few people who I work with, who I think are in denial. They want to act like everything's the same. And there's other people who are barely holding on. It seems like there is some denial in the game of, okay, this, maybe this is only going to last through April. Okay. It's only going to last through May. Okay. We're looking at possibly July now. It just the, the end zone keeps moving. The mm -hmm. good news is we're starting to hear about peaking and some of this stuff coming up, which means we're just in the middle of it. If we're lucky and we don't go backwards. So with that, let's talk about the record side of the game. Nick, how is this affecting your business? It's, it's interesting, and it's, uh, it's actually a pleasure to be on here with uh, promoters and agents. And one of the big, the big problem we face is there's this misconception that once this ends, all our young acts are just going to go back out on the road again. We're going to pick up where we left off. And it's trying to get the point across to a lot of the marketing people, that's just not going to happen. It's not like we can take some of these baby acts who are fishing for an opening slot and just think we're going to get them in a club right away. I don't think there's enough real estate or enough bandwidth that, that you guys can just turn it back on and we're going to be able to take off like it was. And I think a lot of our marketing staff and, and, and record company staff need to accept we're in a new environment. It's just not going to happen that way. Okay, yeah. So Dewar uh, has Puddles Pity Party and we're doing the West Coast run and I've had the opportunity to have to move an entire leg of a tour. Yep. To see, we were supposed to be April, so we were out ahead of the dates before they played, but got them moved to a new time frame, or we were supposed to be May, whatever. But we got them moved out into fall, and very quickly, new dates confirmed, new dates held, everything back up. But Stewart's team and his agency moved very, very quickly to address the problem, find the dates, confirm the dates, and get the word out to their fans. Seems like that's everybody's biggest concern is getting that real estate. Yep. Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, who knows what's going to happen? At what point are we going to feel secure in putting hundreds, thousands, or tens of thousands of people in a building? At what point are we going to feel secure putting 10 or 12 people on a bus? You know, I mean, there's two tipping points here. One is a vaccine and the other is, you know, a drug treatment. We have neither. We're hoping, but who the hell knows? Now, historically, I don't know how many of you know this. I'm sure you do, Wayne. The original X-Map concept came from Stuart Ross's mind. And I think there isn't a show you could do with Stuart where a promoter or a promoter rep wouldn't be scared to hear, where's the X-Map? Let's go through the seats with Stuart. <laughs> 
I think everyone in the world can't wait for you to walk into a venue and ask for an X map. We all just want to get back to work. Well, we don't have to have an X map. We could count seats the old fashioned way. <laughs> and you're just as willing to do that. Um, Wayne. Yes. You have an act that I don't, I, I don't want to use the word has peaked um, because I don't think they're at the biggest at, the, at their peak yet, but they're as big as they've ever been. And this is such a critical time as they continue to get big and real estate's impossible because they do multiple nights with something like Tedeschi trucks that is so hot and you're doing multiple night stands places is the concept of having to move dates and change things around and reroute something that you're like, you know, dreading is you, you book some of that stuff a year in advance to get some of that prime real estate that you get. Yes. Dreading is a good word for it. I'm totally dreading it. And as Stuart said, and I totally agree, we really don't know where we're at at this point. So I, I spent three weeks rerouting a whole tour for another client of mine. Uh, one of my pushed into 21, but I rerouted all the, actually two clients. I rerouted, all, rerouted them all into the fall. And honestly, I don't know if the fall is going to play. I mean, I hate to say that, but that I, the reality is that none of us know if the fall is going to play for the reason that Stuart mentioned. It's not whether people are still sick or not is one, will people want to go back into a building and sit and stand on top of each other? And two, will the local authorities allow it is probably, you know, more important to be honest. But, but the first one I think is important. I don't know if anybody who's on here has been sp spoken to friends that are not in the business. I have uh, spoken to a couple and they're, their answer is that they're concerned about it and they're concert goers. They're concerned about getting out and being with that many people in one place. I know a lot of you are looking ahead and placing options. I've got business with most of you and Wayne's checked back of avails in case we have to move some of our summer dates with the Desky trucks. Hopefully we won't have to. I've talked to Nick Storch about the possibility of having to move a tour and already grabbing backup dates just in case for something further in the year. I know Stuart's also been on top of what are we going to do with some of this stuff. So things that are on sale, optioning, what's going to happen. Has anybody spent any time thinking about new business at all since this happened? I have, but I mean, I may not, I may not be able to speak from the promoter uh, agent front. Your, your sponsorship point of view is, is, is definitely valid. Yeah. That's so, funny so, in this industry. so if you guys know, you know, for those of you that may not know what I do, I know I've met, I think I've met almost all of you. I produce festivals and events, uh, which both of mine and myself, I and my other festivals canceled, obviously, in light of the virus. Um, I have some events coming out, but they're later in the year, so hopefully those will go off, too. Um, and on the other side, I'm in music tech. So, um, But I recently had have the pleasure of being able to work on a few live stream festivals right now that are going to be coming out. And so that has kind of been my, and in the interim too, it's, it's funny enough, I've also been speaking with it on the music tech side, a few new clients. I didn't, you know, I don't know how that's going to be the best fruition in this time, but I still have some of those some new client meetings. So, but with the live stream festivals, that's more what I'm excited about raising, raising funds, raising awareness, helping out the industry and, and, and the frontline uh, workers with supplies and stuff like that. So that's kind of, I mean, I guess if you're if you're speaking of new business, that's those are new projects that I've also taken on during this time. Okay. George, you were shaking your head too. You, uh, as far as the new business goes, you, you're 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 able to work in, in the future. Always. I mean, I can't speak for. I mean, I got into this because I love music, so I'm always listening and checking things out. And I think if I stop doing that, then that's when I go down the rabbit hole the worst. So I'm always trying to think about new ideas, new options, and you know, what opportunities there could be, be it a baby band or all that. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. Of course. It's that we're an industry that's very much in the room, whether it's seeing live shows, whether it's covering dates with your artist, whether it's getting into the studio and, and watching the mix happen. And in a lot of cases, it's the conferences, whether it's South by Polestar, Billboard, IEBA, Aspen Live, APAP, Canadian Music Week, what have you. We're an industry that spends a lot of time together, usually huddled around some music in a band and a bar. And I don't see anybody rushing to a conference anytime soon. And I can't imagine with how this is going to affect the bottom line of the year that anybody's going to be spending too much time with their T&E heading off to a conference for the rest of the year. So anybody seeing that stuff getting cut already? Yeah, I don't think we, as as I also, I also speak on a ton of, of conferences a year. 
um, and which all of mine, I mean, right now I should have been gone. I was supposed to be speaking in a conference in Mexico right now, and that obviously has been canceled. Um, and all of mine have either been uh, not rescheduled yet or pushed off late. Um, and even then we're, we're uncertain. Will September be too, will that be early enough? You know, will we still be going to conferences in September? We all keep saying about this peaking, but we actually have no real idea. Um, I mean, yesterday alone, we reported 30 new thousand new cases in the U United States without hardly any testing in place. I mean, I can't imagine what those real numbers are. I mean, I guess the thought of being in a large gathering while we, we while we're, we're personally knowing friends now in the music industry and other people that are now passing away from this is, is kind of scary. I mean, you know, I don't, I mean, there's, you know, we don't know how bad this is going to get before it actually starts evening back out. I guess, you know, everybody keeps talking about, we'll be open in, you know, by May. And I'm like, you know, I want to be a realist, you know, I'm not a skeptic or anything like that. I'm just realistically thinking that we just need to really stay put until we've really got this thing under control and not try to push back. I get the economy is suffering and stuff, but I mean, I, I think that uh, the lives are more at stake. Nick, are you seeing the the artists come back to you as the label asking for more help? They they, they haven't yet. I mean, we're we're pushing them to push out as much content as they can. You know, some artists we've sent cameras to, and we're just trying to do as much online content as we can. But nobody's come to us for help yet. And, and by the way, streaming is down out, uh, around the rest of the world. It was up three percent last month, but it was down in the U.S. and Canada twenty percent. Uh, the only music that's up is classical and kids music. Everything else is down because people are either glued to the TVs or they're doing this, you know, doing Zoom with their friends or they're FaceTiming or they're watching Netflix and other streaming services. But music streaming is actually down. Let's talk about staff right now. Now, you guys all work for good, with good sized staff and good sized companies. Both names, Stuart, Wayne, are you guys keeping all of your... I'm small. Are, you, are all the yeah. staff on still? Or have you guys done any furloughing? No, I'm small. So, you know, I'm not that that means anything. Not that that's a big difference because I'm also a lot lower, you know, gross than most of these other, a lot lower gross than most of these other companies. But right now I'm going to keep my staff on. I had a, we have a staff meeting via video once a week. Just, I just, and I check in with them. I FaceTime with them at least once a day just to keep the, you know, because you're in the office together every day. So you, you're in touch with each other. So I, I like to keep that personal interaction. But I, yeah, I'm going to keep them on. I told them I'd keep them on as long as I can. It depends on how long this goes. Are you finding busy work? Are you guys creating projects, doing things that like haven't, you just never found time to get to? No, we're moving fucking tours. We were moving tours, rebooking dates. Um, I had some dates that I had pre-booked or held dates for that we were, we were in the middle of. So I actually, like one of my tours, I'd held dates and I hadn't done all the deals yet. So um, I started, well, you saw some of my confirmation emails. I've been sending confirmation emails out for a week and a half now. I'm probably going to have to move all those fucking things. I mean, listen, I wanted to throw something in here. Did anybody here read that Atlantic article about, I don't know, two weeks ago, a week ago? Maybe. The what was the topic? The topic was what the prognosis is for this whole thing. And it had three different optional situations. The first one was six months. The next one was 12 months. The next one was 18 months. And that's re that's kind of a reality is to at least think about it. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen, but that makes the whole thing a lot more sobering. Yeah. None of us have a single show that's booked that can stay on the calendar if we're 18 months out. I don't, know how, many acts, I don't know how many acts can survive if it takes 18 months. 110,000 yeah. businesses are set to close. Restaurants in America are set to close this week alone yeah. based on what's happening in the economy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, one of our iconic restaurants just closed here in Los Angeles called Swingers, and it was uh, really a, a sad day. There's a ton yep. of Nate Nails is closing. There's a ton of restaurants. Nate Nails is moving. They're not closing. Oh, they're oh well. Anyway, um, but there are venues that are closing. I'm seeing like venues from all over the space that can't be open. There's a, a, in Atwater, Eagle Rock. There's a row. There's a a row of businesses, six in a row, that can no longer open anymore after the virus because this they rely on their month to months. It's definitely, this is a hard effect on everybody, economic-wise. Right, but we're in week three. What happens if we get to week 52 or 70, as Wayne has just mentioned from that article? Just, I'm, I'm is surprised. there anything left? Who, who has that much in capital reserves? You're talking about, you know, the top 15% of the earners in the economy that can hang on that long without revenue coming in. 
it may not be that it's a straight crash, by the way. It's just that one of the things it was talking about is if we get through the spring and everybody thinks, okay, we're going to be open in the summer and doing business. What about the fall, which is normally flu season? What happens when the thing spikes again in the fall? Will we close down again for another six months, three months? You know, I mean, I don't know the answer to that, but this is kind of the stuff that was being discussed in the article. And then the flu season goes through to March or April again. Does that mean we're closed from September to freaking April? I, I don't know. I just... I just found it an interesting article. It wasn't positive in my mind, but it may be a cold reality. Uh, it's something to think about anyway. I'm really concerned about um, the the club level and a lot of these guys, whether they can they can survive. Stuart, you look at red light. Are, I do. Is everybody still got their job? You know, it's, it's a big organization. I've talked to Bruce Eskowitz a few times, and I know he's trying to work through the numbers. I don't have a definitive answer for you, but it seems like you don't hear that. You're not seeing the press releases or the numbers co- or the stories coming out of your, your organization yet. It seems like Corin's keeping everybody on That's, at, at least so far. I have not heard from anybody that it's like, Hey, I'll see you down the road, but I do have a piece of good news, which is interesting. Some of the bigger production companies have pivoted mm-hmm into things like Gallagher Staging has put together a consortium called EIR, and they're building testing locations, hospitals. They're getting together with the staging companies like Mountain and the companies that make barricades and festival hardware so that if a city needs to set up a testing location, they can go to Gallagher and have something done. You know how quickly the concert production market works, and they can have something done overnight. And if you act now, Jim Rohn's sideshow will be included. You know, upstaging lighting and and trucking has retooled their uh, shop to make plexiglass masks. Oh, that's great. For medical personnel, apparently they're shipping tens of thousands of them. So and they're driving you know, them in their trucks, right? Yeah. I mean, look, you know, I, I, I think the issue with all of this is a uh, disconnect between uh, the public sector and the private sector, because the private sector, we could say, you know what, we'll put up tents, we'll put up traffic lanes. We will have this wired for power and internet and whatever you need, and we can do it overnight. And I think the public sector is going, okay, well, we're going to have to take bids and you're going to have to fill out a 150 page application. And so, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a disconnect, but I'm glad to see that our industry is coming up and saying, you know what, we can do this and we can. Yeah, they're entrepreneurs and they move quickly. Nick, uh, Mr. Light, let's go back to you for a second. You've got a pretty good staff at RCA. How yeah. are you keeping those kids busy right now? You know, everybody's kind of shifting and adjusting. Uh, my department, which deals with touring, has, has shifted gears to deal with the volume of digital content coming in. Um, most of my crew is used to keeping promo schedules and keeping these things moving. So we've shifted into that. I, I think... You know, we're lucky we've got a lot of, you know, a lot of people and they're all still employed. But if you don't adapt and make yourself useful, you're going to find yourself in a spot in a few months that I would think corporate's going to take a look at this. And say, Why do we need 230 people here when we can do it with less? The key for my crew and my people, adapt and adjust. Keep moving. Make yourself valuable. I like that. Now, with all these artists staying home. And these are people that are used to working from home. Yeah. Are we going to see more content than we've seen in years and better content because artists are all stuck in and they got nothing else to do but write songs and produce? Or is this going to be just a heyday of brand new material coming at us? There's already a slew of it coming out. I mean, if you look at a lot of the artists across the board, I mean, there's a bunch of people that are taking advantage of the fact that they're off the road other than, you know, performing shows on a, on a platform or show or so that are creating new content, coming up with new things to put out there that are putting out their bands, putting out daily things, their bands making videos from their house, you know, as much as they can without being... Yeah, but most of that stuff sucks. I mean, you're talking about these Facebook streaming things like 
so an artist in their living room that you wouldn't have gone to see like they were opening for something you bought tickets to. Yeah, like, but there's no other option right now. I mean, at least they're performing. At least they're getting out there and they're still staying active, I think. is. Yeah, but can you go through your Facebook stream and not see 17 shitty fucking living room concerts on Facebook that aren't any good? So you, you need to delete some of those people off your Facebook stream more than that, if, if that's the case. But I shut down. Not Facebook, just putting shit so. up, but like creating. Yeah. I got to figure this is a time like Derek trucks isn't on the road. I got to imagine he's, he's, he's writing and producing and creating the guy's a genius. No, I think he's fishing actually. You know, you know what, <laughs> you know what, Dan, I think that um, from talking to clients I have, they're all looking at this as an opportunity. One of them just finished a whole bunch of new tracks. I was about to start shopping it. And I've actually sent it out to a couple of labels. And they're like, we're not looking at anything till 2021 because they're busy trying to reschedule releases and time it and stuff like that. So I just said to them, look, what you should be working on now is working out other ways to perform these songs, like figure out acoustic versions. Um, maybe we'll start to leak out acoustic versions of the songs before we actually release the stuff. Maybe you guys will start writing more. Uh, and I think there's a lot of inspiration too right now. I think um, I'm being selfish because I don't care about the new artists as much as the guys that have the songs out there. These sophomore and, and third, fourth or fifth albums that may not have been as good as they could have been where they've got this time to write. I mean, Nick, you've got all these developed artists already that, that you tour, like their next albums, well, it doesn't matter where they were in the current cycle. They got to be working on the current albums. You got to assume yeah. Ghost has like got nothing else to do right now, but write. I got to imagine the next yeah, album. They, they, they can write, but, but how do we get them into a studio to record at the level they're used to recording? As Sony, we can't ask them to do that. You know, we had a whole, a whole video plan set up where we were going to do a, a VR shoot in a studio and we're not allowed to, to push a client to do that. We can't ask them to go in and, 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 and take that chance right now. Does it matter when they recorded it so long as they've written good material and they're focused on writing just the best material? They get nothing but time well, to make it, it work? If this potentially goes six months, they can write the greatest material, but if I can't record it, how do I get it to you? I think to Dan's point is that most groups, once they hit that, that cycle of album touring that their records start to suffer because we all know most most groups have their best songs of all their lives on their first album and then they have six months to write their second album and so on and so forth and not very many actually uh take the time off because there's a lot of pressures now they've built up you know costs and they got to keep their lives running but to dan's point if you're sitting around doing nothing maybe there will be a lot of really great records coming out in, in 12 to 18 months that were all written in this time period with not only the time, but I also think the inspiration. Nick Stewart, you've been quiet for a minute. I'm curious when it comes to the new content and the future of what's going on with your artists on the forced shit down for the moment, what you're thinking about that. Not. <laughs> I mean, I don't think... I think we're two, three, four, five weeks from having any clarity of what any of this really means. No one knows what's on the other side of this. Every day is different. You know, last week felt for me so doom and gloom. We're fucked. How am I going to take care of my family? And I, I've got to say yesterday and today, there's been little bright spots of news, Not anything major, no vaccine news or anything, but just little things here and there. And, you know, nobody knows. No, no one has any clue here. So I'm trying to just take it day by day. So sit back, take a deep breath, be grateful for this little break and, and take it from there. Okay. So the last 10 years of the industry have been some of the strongest growth in the music business we've ever seen. We've seen streaming just break through on new levels. We've seen fans go diverse. We've seen more tickets selling. We've seen new markets emerge worldwide. Wayne, your yeah. business has seemingly grown quite a bit over the last 10 years. Yes, and, and my clients have too. It's been good. You know, the touring business has been, been getting stronger and stronger over the last 10 years, for sure. It became, you know, became more of the business for a lot of acts. And the recording side became smaller for them, not just because of them, just because of the what happened in the recording side of the business. Airplay, radio, you know, the fragmentation, et cetera. And the live thing just picked up. And yeah, I'm in the live business. Now, the downside of that is I'm in the live business. So I'm screwed right now. I don't have any diversity. I only have live. Nick Storch, your your business as well is growing quite a bit, and your your roster has as well over the mm -hmm. last ten years, right? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, it's amazing. Allie, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, my company, you know, my company, Manic Monkey was around, um, not as big as it is now because I still had come from, you know, the magazine and the festival and then I was working for Rachel Ray for all those years. And even during working for Rachel Ray, I started pivoting about 10 years ago into music tech and brands and working more with brands, building out brands and working in music tech. So that became a larger entity of more than almost anything that I did. Uh, while still having my foot in doing, fa- of course, I've done, you know, big festivals and events and stuff throughout the time, but a lot of it, but a lot of, luckily I'm in a space right now now, and now that all the events and stuff like that is canceled, I, I had pivoted and already, so, so I still have the brands that I work with, which is, you know, helping me out. And yeah, it, I guess my, my company did grow pretty big in the last 10 years. Okay. And Stuart, no question, you know, red lights turned out to be a huge company, lots of managers, lots of acts. Our acts had places to play, other income streams other than uh, recorded. It's been great until right now. And our acts are asking us, when am I going to start to make money again? And it's like, dude, we're watching the same news you are. We don't have inside information. We have a little inside information as to, uh, Steiny, what you guys are doing, it's like, we have a city that's not going to open their venues in July. They're not going to open until October. And then we can pivot. But none of us know what's happening. And we're doing the best we can to, uh, to dance with the, uh, with a little bit of information that we're getting. Yeah, what he's talking about is we actually had a venue that we rescheduled a date for from May into September. And then they told us they weren't opening until October, all city venues, which... Was seemed like an early shot, but we wound up moving the date a second time out of, I would say, an overwhelming sense of need to control the situation down there. But it was, I thought that was that one was an extreme case. Well, it is, but you know, people are are, are making uh, extreme decisions right now, and they're making decisions based on the little bit of information that they have. And so, unfortunately, we're doing the best we can to pivot when we can. What I've found is that the fan base is not getting mad. They're saying, you know what? You do what you have to do. We'll be here for you. Hopefully they will be. Uh, Mr. Light, when we come to the record industry, it's a big question of what's happened the last 10 years. It'd be easy to say things have changed a little, but they've changed a lot. Physical product isn't really what moves anymore, but you guys right. don't have near the cost and packaging and shipping you used to. It's streaming. So, it's all about streaming and, and digital content. I mean, you guys are one of the bigger labels that still exist, and you've got a back catalog that will pay out for days. So take the last six weeks out of the mix, but is the business stronger on the label side for the labels that, that have survived on that level? Than I, it was think, years ago? I think without a doubt. I mean, we're very strong. I know Interscope's very strong. At, at Warner's on the, on the rebound. It's streaming has been, uh, has been a, a, a godsend. Then can we reenact the word ticket buy? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> if you're really doing this on video because everybody's face right now is brilliant. <laughs> Before I let you all go, parting thought for what 21 has to come that you're excited about. I'm, I'm just going to go right past 20 for a second. What are you excited for 21? We'll start with Wayne. I'm excited for, I hope we're back to normal by 21. If not, I think I'm going to have to go skiing for the whole year. Right, well, most my own because none of the lifts will be open. None of the, none of the, none of the places will be open. I'll have to hike up the mountain. Now 20, you know, I'd like to get back to normal. That's my excitement. I was on a roll. My clients were on a roll. I was having a great time keeping people like you busy. I just want to go back to normal. Nick, can you explain more Juna for the people that have never heard of them? <laughs> it's the soundtrack to the show Vikings, essentially. It's really what it is. I love that show. Got to watch more of that. I heard it's a really good show. I've actually not watched the show, but he does some of the scoring and he's had a walk on roll. Who, who is it? Wardruna. Oh, okay. So, so every call I've been on was like, I can't pronounce the band, but have you guys seen the counts? <laughs> My parting thoughts, honestly, that we can all see each other in person in 2021. That's the only thing that really matters. I know, I know 
all of you. I hope we all get to be in Aspen again, and I hope we all get to see each other in person in 2021. That, that's my only goal right now, is to be able to see my friends again. Lady Shaw. You know, I don't think ever in history has a planet been through something like this that's that's unified them. You know, not even when 9-11 happened, not when wars have happened, have we all gone through something global like this together? And I would hope it would unify us more and maybe come to and come and figure out our differences is kind of, I don't know, I know we're in the music industry and stuff, but I think my thing is for the bigger picture. And I hope that because we've all gone through this, we don't know what we're about to go. Our norm has become completely different. You know, our needs and necessities have changed completely. And I, you know, I don't, I don't only hope that this brings us together more as a, as a planet. And since everybody, every single person on this planet, maybe not Antarctica, but everybody else on this planet is going through this. And so hopefully, and, and of course, for, you know, 2021 could be a, a better year for everyone, you know, and, and hopefully in that aspect. And yes, I would, I would, I would be excited to hopefully be back out in the world by then as well. Uh, Mr. Light, any parting thoughts? I just hope people maintain the kindness I see. People making an effort a little more to look out for their neighbor, a little more to just look out for somebody else. I hope they remember that when this is over. Stuart? I'm looking forward to the inauguration of Biden and Cuomo. (laughs) You even have the partner prediction of the VP. Prediction. Well, at least Biden. Mr. Storch, I kind of skipped over you because I asked the word Gina question, and I just realized you're wearing a Cannibal Corp t-shirt. Uh, do you have a vision for the year to come? I don't, honestly, I think everyone kind of hit the things I would say, uh, this sounds maybe, you know, weird, but I've just actually been grateful for the, the free time that I've gotten with my children because they're so young and, you know, I wouldn't get these years back. So frankly, it's a odd little gift for me as much as I miss my coworkers and my trip to New York to see everybody. It's been <laughs> kind of oddly nice. So. Well, I want to thank all of you for taking the time and uh, having this conversation it definitely uh marks time with what's going on in the world and uh we something to be able to look back at and, and see all of your unique viewpoints and thank all of you very very much thank you dan nice to see you dan. Thanks, nice to see everybody see everybody yep take care bye. Bye. bye dan i'm glad you had a chance to sit down and do a mind meld with some amazing folks talking about the uncertainty in our business all those things are great real-time topics thanks for organizing it Hello there, this is Dave Shapiro from UTA, and you're listening to Promoter 101. The quote of the week comes to us from John Maxwell. Actions are remembered long after words are forgotten. How do you just happen to have that book right there, Luke? That's did you read ahead? Did you or was that just a coincidence? No, I just have it I you have it close to my desk most of the time. It's a fucking phenomenal book. Was a huh. I like that quote. John Maxwell, what a guy, what a phenomenal uh, leader and leader of leaders. Good quote for this week. Hey, what's going on? This is Bubbles. This is Julian. This is Ricky. You're listening to Promoter 101. (laughs) Before we wrap up, just want to take a minute and recommend so highly that everybody takes a chance to check out on YouTube the 20th anniversary retrospective documentary of the history of Coachella. And it's so much more than that. It's the history of Gary Tovar getting arrested and his handling and I guess drug trafficking and told by him directly, as well as how Paul and Rick wound up with the company, the Golden Voice story, and how Coachella came to be, how those guys decided to bring a European festival to the States for the first time, and how hard it was to get off the ground. And it looked like so many years it may not come back to become the household brand that it is now. It's a fascinating doc. And what a great story from some great people. I really enjoyed that hour and 45 minutes, give or take. Really can't recommend this anymore. It's free. And if you're home during the lockdown, as we all are, not a bad thing to check out. It's well worth the two hours of your time. Must watch appointment TV for you during quarantine. Highly recommend, highly recommend, highly recommend. And congratulations to those guys. They find a way to entertain us on this weekend as they always do with or without their festival going looking forward to that coming back in the fall
Hey, that does it. Episode 209 of Promoter 101 in the books. Thank you so much for tuning in, for listening today. Thank you to all of our guests who took part in the quarantine session, Cyber Roundtable, Entourage Talents, Wayne Forte, AGI's Nick Storch, Red Lights, Stuart Ross, Manic Monkeys, Allison Shaw, RCA Records, Nick Light, and the Management Trust, Jake Golden. Of course, a special thank you to the Newman family for lending their incredible talents to this week's edition of Tongue Bath, our theme song that played at the top of this podcast. If you like what you heard, let us know. We want to hear feedback from you. Hit us at Steiny at Promoter101.net. If you miss us, want to catch up, just let us know. We're here. Till then, we return next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific. That's 8 p.m. on the Eastern Seaboard. And midnight in London, England. Midnight in London town. A special congratulations to our friend Ollie Rosenblatt announcing that he's going to be having a baby, maybe the first Corona boomer of 2020 in the music business, our buddy Ollie and his lovely wife. Until then, we're wishing you happy and healthy lockdown and hoping we all get back to doing any shows whatsoever, but hoping they're sold out shows in the very soon weeks to come in the safest possible way. Until then. Cheers. Call your mother and wash your fucking hands. Steve Strange, X-Ray Touring, Promoter 101. Oh.